Dear Lord, thank you so much, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the assurance we have in that, the promise that you've given us. Thank you for the truth and principles, Lord, that are there. And thank you that your, the, your word is living. It's the living truth, your living word that speaks to us strongly and greatly and loudly, Lord. And speak loudly to us this morning. God, we want to hear from you. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, God. Lord, I pray you would anoint this time, Lord, like never before, that we may learn, that we may grow, that we may walk out as your different people and equipped, Lord, with your word and equipped to serve you more and more in a better way. So, God, we ask for your touch right now, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. After picking up the rental car from the airport, two first-time tourists to Maui were driving through town on their way to the west side. Well, they started to argue. They got into this discussion, this argument about the correct way to m pronounce the name of where they were at, Kahului. Well, they argued back and forth, back and forth, and soon they stopped for lunch before they went out, out of town. And as they stood at the counter, they, one, one of the tourists asked the lady at the cash register, before we order, could you please settle an argument for us? Would you please pronounce where we are very slowly? Well, the lady leaned over the counter and said slowly, Burger King. <laughs> I love that. That was so funny. <laughs> well, as we return to our study in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul continues to deal with the issue of speaking in tongues in the worship service at the Corinthian church. But Paul now gives the correct way of using the gift of tongues, also the gift of prophecy. So as we continue our study here, we're going to see the correct way for the use of tongues in a worship meeting. Well, our title of our message is really part two of last week, Prophecy, Tongues, and the Worship Service. Part two, Prophecy, Tongues, and the Worship Service. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 14 from verse 20. We ended at verse 19 last week. Picking it up in verse 20, we're going to finish the chapter 2, verse 40 this morning. Last time now in our outline, we saw number one, concern for edification. Number two, we saw concern for comprehension. And now as we go on this morning, we have number three, concern for the unbeliever. And number four, concern for keeping the order. So let's begin here. Number three, continuing on, continuing on from last week. Number three in our outline, concern for the unbeliever. Concern for the unbeliever. Take a look with me here now. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. Paul writes, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. We'll stop right there. We begin now with Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote this, pressing the Corinthian believers, do not be children. In other words, don't be immature in this understanding of the proper use of the gift of tongues. The thing is, Paul says, the thing is here, be babes. 
when it comes to malice or evil, when it, when it comes to knowing evil, be like babies. When it comes to knowing how to live wickedly, be like babies in that way. But in your understanding about the gift of tongues, be mature. Be a grown-up about how you handle speaking in tongues. Paul say, saying basically, you know what, guys, let's grow up in this. I've been talking to you about this in your understanding. I've been talking to you about the worship and regarding prophecy and speaking in tongues. Let's all be grown up. Let's grow up in this. Now, this all flows from what we saw in the first part of chapter 14, what we saw last week. Paul pointed out, right, to the Corinthian believers, as I mentioned, first of all, have a concern for edification. When we use our gifts, have a concern about, hey, how it helps the other person. Edification, build up that means, right? So have that idea in your mind. And so it's better to prophesy, to have a word of prophecy in a language everyone can understand than speaking in tongues where no one understands. And that edifies everyone, the prophecy does, yet tongues will edify just that believer. And then the second thing he talked about was having concern for comprehension. All of this was talking about that. It's more helpful in the church service to speak a prophecy in that language if you understand. Other word, uh, uh, otherwise, or in other, on the other side of speaking in tongues where no one can understand. Remember Paul put it, hey, I'd rather speak uh, uh, five words people can understand than 10,000 words no one can understand. Now, if you missed this, grab the CD and you can, you can catch up to where we are today. Now, we learn, right, the gift of tongues is praying or even singing in a language unknown to the receiver. And it's primarily, we've been talking about, primarily a person's personal prayer language like they do in, the, in your devotions. Yet time to time, the Holy Spirit will prompt someone to speak in their tongue in a meeting, in a prayer meeting, in an afterglow. And as we saw, and we'll see again, emphasize, there has to be an interpretation there. So this is all what Paul's been speaking about. And we understand, remember, from chapter 11, Paul's been dealing with the problems in the worship service at the Corinthian church. And he's been now rolling into this main issue is with speaking in tongues where the Corinthian believers have been misusing it, abusing it, where they've been selfishly just speaking it, where they've been pridefully sharing it. Basically, they're just doing whatever they feel like doing. So, right here in this first verse, verse 20, when we begin, Paul is pressing the Corinthian believers not to be immature, but mature about the gift of tongues. That they would grow up spiritually now. That they would now take and understand what the Lord is saying. That they would not be mature, but be mature about the gift of tongues. I was thinking about how when I was small, I mean, when you were small, were, were you teased, you know, by other kids in school like that? I mean, maybe some of you were the one doing the teasing. Maybe some of you got teased. And I remember when I was small, I was walking home from school one day, and, uh, and this another, uh, another classmate just started laying into me and teasing me and everything. So, you know, I got really angry. I took my lunchbox. Remember back then there were metal? And I got really angry. I just whacked him in the head with it. 
I was just so mad because he was teasing. Well, the next day he came back to school and he had this big lump on his forehead and goes, see what you did, see what you did. I'm like, yeah, right. Watch out. Yeah. Now, because we're kids, yeah, and kids are kids, they immaturely say things and they do things, right? And, and we just give in to that immaturity. And, and today, I would not take my lunchbox. I wouldn't have a metal lunch, lunchbox to carry on anyway. But I'm not going to whack someone in the head because they're saying something about Right? And so we grow up, and we don't do those things anymore. So Paul's saying the same thing. Hey, don't be immature in handling the gifts of the Spirit. Don't, don't just take this and do whatever you like. Don't just take it and think you're better than someone else. Remember, that was their pride. They thought, well, I speak in tongues, so I'm more spiritual than you who don't speak in tongues. And so that was that immature, immaturity that they had. And Paul said, hey, don't be children about this. Be mature in your understanding. Don't go around teasing or putting someone down, making them feel less than. You know, like, oh, you're not worthy. I'm more spiritual. I'm better. Don't do that. That's what these guys were, were doing. You know what? That should be us today, too. Whether it's with the gift of tongues, whether it's with whatever gift the Lord is giving you, it doesn't make you more spiritual than the other guy. It doesn't make you better, you know, more high makamaka than the other guy over there. No. No, we're all believers in here. God has just happened to gift you by His grace and mercy to give you that gift. And that's what it's about. Don't be immature in thinking that way, whatever that gift may be. Warren Mercy said, Paul taught that it's possible to exercise the gift in an unspiritual and immature manner. I thought, wow. Even if it's a gift of God, even if it's special empowerment, we can mishandle that. Is that what you do with your ministry or your gift or speaking in tongues, whatever it is? Do you let it feed your pride or you feel superior or you've arrived? You know the issue, and I'm going to be bringing this up more. The real issue here is submission. Yeah. The real issue is that, hey, we're going to have self-control. We're going to discipline ourselves. We're going to have submission to the Lord and how He wants us to handle this gift. All right, well, Paul goes on here. Look at verse 21, 1 Corinthians 14, 21. He says, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips I speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, Paul goes on in verse 22, Tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Now, these two verses is, is a little hard to, to understand. And let me see if I can, I can take it apart and you can help get a grasp of what Paul is really trying to say here. So Paul, okay, now brings up Isaiah 28, verse 11 and 12. That's what he's basically quoting here. And when he quotes this in verse 21, it speaks of how God brought the Assyrians, men of other tongues, they spoke a different language, they came in to conquer Israel in judgment. God allowed them to come because Israel went after idols, stopped worshiping the Lord God, and so God allowed the Syrians who spoke in a different language, they came in judgment to conquer Israel. So the idea is this in verse 21. When Israel heard this foreign language, 
It did not mean a good thing was coming. It was a bad thing. That's what basically Paul is saying. You know, back in Isaiah, you know, when the Lord said this, you know what? It wasn't a good thing when they heard the foreign language. It was really a bad thing because the army was coming to take them over because of God's judgment upon Israel. So then Paul says in verse 22, Therefore, okay, since the foreign language of the Assyrians was this sign yeah, of a bad thing, so he's saying, therefore tongues are for, I would say, a bad sign. So think of it that way as Paul is writing it. Therefore, tongues are for like a bad sign, not to those who believe, but to believers. In other words, not to believers, because they know what tongues is. When we speak in tongues, we understand, we've been taught, oh, it's God, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit gifting of this unknown language where you have this prayer language to the Lord, right? So to believers, it's not a bad sign, but to unbelievers, oh, the tongues, it can be like, Something's wrong here. Something's not right. Well, because they don't understand what's going on. So Paul's like, therefore, you know, tongues, speaking in tongues, they're like a bad sign, if not to the believers, because they know what it is, but to unbelievers, oh, it's like something's wrong here. But he goes on prophesying, which is, remember, that special message or prediction God gives to a person when they speak. Prophesying is not a bad sign for unbelievers. In other words, they can understand there's something going on. God is moving. But it can be for the believer, right? Because it could be a word of judgment. It could be exhortation. So in context with Paul, with what Paul has been saying in chapter 14, we see that incomprehensible tongues, things we can't understand, can be a bad sign for unbelievers, but a good sign for believers that the Spirit of God is moving. But comprehensible prophecy is not a bad sign believers because they can understand it. They can understand what is spoken, but it can be a bad sign for believers for it can bring a message of judgment like with Israel. So understand, Paul is really emphasizing how tongues can affect the unbeliever. And thus, this is our section to have a concern for the unbeliever about speaking in tongues in the church. Verse 23, Therefore, Paul says, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak in tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Makes sense now, right? Paul's saying, okay, so when the church comes together, you know, a prayer meeting or maybe it's a worship time or, and everyone's speaking in tongues all in their different prayer languages, won't those who are uninformed, those maybe perhaps believers who don't understand this, they've never experienced this, they don't know what's going on, they've never been taught this, or unbelievers, won't they see all this that's going on, speaking tongues, like they're going to see this as confusion, and they're going to say, you guys are out of your mind. Yeah? You guys are crazy. Paul is saying if everyone in the church breaks out into tongues, won't unbelievers think Christians are just totally lolo, right? Verse 24. But if all prophecy, uh, but if all prophesy, excuse me, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and he is convicted by all. And thus, verse 25, the secrets of his hearts are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report 
that God is truly among you. So Paul's saying, hey, rather than a, than a service full of everyone just speaking their tongues, if there is a comprehensible prophecy given, the unbelievers can be affected very deeply more in that way, right? I like how the ESV, the English Standard Version, renders verse 24. Listen, they translate it this way. But if all prophecy and an unbeliever, or, but if all prophesies, excuse me, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. And then I like this part that Paul says, then the secrets of his hearts are exposed. You see, God can see everything in the heart, right? Nothing is hidden. We think we can hide things from, from the Lord. No, but through the prophecy, through prophesying, what that is hidden in there can be exposed. God uses prophecy in that way. Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. That's why in, in prophecy, when someone prophesies, you know what, this unbeliever can be convicted. He can be called to account of his sin. And then so that word, the prophecy, causes the unbeliever, I like Paul saying here in verse 25, to fall down on his face. He's humbled. He, he, he's, he's, he's just taken back that something that's secret in him is exposed. And then he truly will worship God. He'll truly acknowledge God and saying, truly, God is among you. God is in this place because no one knew that. No one knew that. And it's exposed. That's the Lord speaking. So you see what Paul is saying with the understandable Holy Spirit word of prophecy. The unbeliever is powerfully spoken to. And that is something a service filled with tongues cannot do for the unbeliever. The other day, someone came up to me and said, after the service, they were saying, you were looking at me. You were, you were, you were looking at me the whole time. And, and I go, no, I, I, I wasn't. You know, that would be weird if I just stared at, you know, like I stared at Rory the whole time and spoke. Yeah, didn't look at anybody. That would be really strange, you know. And, and, but they say, you were looking at me. But I knew what they meant. I knew what they were saying. They, they were saying everything I said seemed to be directed at them. Everything I was saying, like, well, well, you're saying that to me, aren't you? And you know what? I wasn't, but the Holy Spirit was, right? Sometimes uh, someone will come up to me and say, how did you know? Well, you know what? How did you know what I was going through? How did you know? How did you know what I was hiding? How did you? Did my wife call you up? <laughs> did, did she talk to you and, and, and let, let you in on what was going on? She told you what to say, right? Well, no, no. No, I didn't talk to your wife. <laughs> no. You know what? That's the Holy Spirit, right? Interesting. In, in the New Testament, there's a Greek word for preaching, and that's caruso, which is a different word from prophecy. Now, now I, I believe as, as pastors stand up and, are, and like we do here where I teach you what the Bible says, we study the Bible, we learn what it says. I believe, believe there's teaching going on, there's preaching going on where God is moving and motivating us and speaking to us. But I believe there's those times where prophecy 
is going on, where a pastor can stand up in the middle of the teaching and prophesy, and I'm not saying thus says the Lord kind of thing, but in application, and the pastor may say something, and many times I'm saying stuff that's not in my notes because I feel the Holy Spirit telling me to say things and direct things and to say specific things. And that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us individually, and that's prophesying. That's what Paul is talking about. So if you speak now, right, in a church service, Paul is like, have concern for the unbelievers. Seek to prophesy over speaking in some unknown language. Paul is emphasized, you know, have a concern for the unbeliever. In a church service, you know, have a concern. Seek to prophesy over speaking in an unknown language. I read how um, Pastor Chuck wrote about his experience really with this. As a young boy, he said, many times as I was seated with my unsaved friends I brought to church, Mrs. Newman would start breathing funny. I learned that this was the prelude to her speaking in tongues. So I would pray, Pastor Chuck said, Oh God, please don't speak in tongues today. My friends won't understand. My friends won't understand. Then Chuck wrote, Either God wasn't listening to me or Mrs. Newman wasn't listening to God because she would then stand up, shaking all over, and deliver the tongue for the day in a loud, high-pitched voice. Pastor Chuck said, I would die inside as my friends giggled beside me. And then I was always tense after the service as I waited for my friends to ask the inevitable question. What was that? That's what Paul is saying. Look, in the church service, have a concern for the unbeliever there. Seek to prophesy over speaking in an unknown tongue. Well, what would you choose? If you brought someone to church for the first time, what would you choose? What would you want? You wouldn't want your unbelieving friend or family person to be turned up. Wow, that's church too. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. You know what's interesting? Back in the ancient time in Corinth, and remember there was pagan temples and they were known for that big temple there. You know, the practice of many of these pagan worshipers, they would go in and they'd just start babbling on and babbling on, on and saying all these different things. And, and I was thinking, wow, that's, when I was reading that, I go, isn't that Satan copying everything about God, right? I mean, Christ came and one day there's going to be an antichrist, right? Who, who's going to boast to be the savior of the world. Well, back then, the, the pagan Corinthian temples, they would like speak in weird tongues too. And I'm sure the unbelievers that came into the Corinthian church and they're all speaking tongues going, hey, what's the difference? What's the difference with these Christians and these pagan temple guys? Well, it's the same thing, right? Do we have a concern for unbelievers? Do we have that concern? You know, let, let's talk about not just tongues, but how about in general? Do we have a concern for the unbelievers around us? Do you live like you like to live? Do you like to do what you like to do, not considering how your hypocritical living will affect your testimony for Jesus, for that unbeliever? Think about that. Think about that. It's time, you guys, for us to be mindful of those who need Jesus. 
as we live on this earth before we go home and be with the Lord, it's not about us. It's not about how comfortable. It's not about being so self-centered that we like live our life the way we like live. No. We are to be a light. We are to bring Jesus. We are to, to show unbelievers, the unsaved, those around us that, wow, we, we found the truth. We found hope. We found a way to be free of the bondage of sin. We found the security of knowing we're going to heaven. We found forgiveness for our sins. We found a God who loves us, who died on the cross for us, and we can have a new life with him. How can an unbeliever, an unsaved person around you, really see the difference that God is real, that God makes a difference, that Jesus Christ changes life and transforms people? If we just live the same way as the world, that's how we live. Paul is saying that, you know, the church service, have concern for the unbeliever. Seek to prophesy over speaking in tongues. Well, let's go on to number four now in our outline, concern for keeping the order. Now, remember, we're talking about prophecy, tongues, and the worship service here. We've seen last week, number one, concern for uh, edification, number two, concern for comprehension. Number three, we just covered concern for the unbeliever. And our last part, in the last section here in chapter 14 is number four, concern for keeping the order. Concern for keeping the order. Paul begins here, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Then Paul says, let all things be done for edification. Now, Paul's addressing, it's like, hey, how is it then, guys, when you get together? Now, whenever you come together, whenever the Corinthian church got together in their meetings, in their prayer times, in their services, how is it then? Yeah, what, what, what goes on? What happens, right? Yeah, during your afterglow times and all that. Well, someone would share a psalm. Someone would do a little teaching. Someone would have a revelation. Someone would, would give a speak in tongues. Someone would have the interpretation for that. Paul reminds them again, whatever goes on in that worship time, remember, let all things be done for edification. That's what we talked about number one, to build up the word meaning, right? To build each other up. Remember, it's not about you. It's not about any self-glory. And Paul is really ramping up here to give us an instruction. Like I see Paul saying this. It's not to be some spiritual gift free for all. No, it needs to be for all. Not some platform to show off your giftedness or your spirituality. No, not at all. David Lowry in his commentary described the Corinthian church this way. The whole church seemed to exercise their gifts spontaneously. Like they just started going for it. Yeah. That at the same time, and so there was this craziness and confusion that was going on. And, and that's what Paul's been getting down to here and getting to this point here. Okay, so Paul now brings in some practical instructions on speaking in tongues. Look at verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, let one interpret. 
But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. All right, so Paul brings some very practical application to everything that he's been teaching them about the gifts of the Spirit, and especially with tongues, on, okay, we're learning this. Okay, it's not about us. Okay, then what do we do? How do we do this now in our meetings? Well, Paul begins, first of all, if anyone speaks in a tongue, there can be only two or at the most three uh, tongues that are spoken in one meeting. Two or three. Not four, not five, not ten. But it's it, notice, just two or three. And then he says, secondly, each in turn. Each who is going to speak that tongue as the Spirit leads it, it must be spoken in turn. In other words, not all at once. None of this, well, let's just all praise him with our tongues right now. Ready? One, two, three. And everybody, the whole congregation going off in their gift of tongues. You know, I always thought about that. I go, what if you don't have that gift? Won't you feel weird? Yeah. So Paul says, each in turn, one by one. And then the third thing, he said, and let one interpret. After each utterance of tongues, then allow or let one interpret. There must be an interpretation. And that is before the next tongue can be spoken. So a tongue is spoken, an interpretation, right? Paul is saying, hey, we want to edify each other, right? Remember we read earlier in the chapter, hey, we want to edify each other and understand, you want to help, right? And even if there's an unbeliever there, you want them to understand what's going on. So if there's a tongue, then you know what? There should be an interpretation so we can all understand what that prayer or praise was. And then the fourth thing, Paul says, if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. In other words, if there, there's not interpretation after the tongue is given, then let there not be any more tongues be given. But let the person who has the gift of tongues just keep it to himself and keep it to uh, uh, maybe under his breath. Sometimes I'm doing that. Uh, let, let, let him, you know, just keep it to his own personal devotional time. No, take note. By saying that, it means that if, if no one has that interpretation, right, then the one who speaks in tongues, you know what, is fully capable to keep silent and control his tongue. No one's going to be overcome. Oh, the Spirit overcame me and just blurted out. No. You know, in a sense, we have control of the remote control. Yeah. Yeah, guys, when we have the remote, we can control the channel. We can control the volume. We're going to mute it, yeah? That's our idea. No, we have control. We just have self-control in that way. I read about this Christian who stood next to his unsaved co-worker in the grocery store while they're working. He said he suddenly got this urge to speak in tongues, and he just blurted it out. And you know, it totally freaked out his co-worker. The believer said, sorry, but I didn't, I couldn't help it. The Spirit made me do it. That's not true. But the Bible says, hey, if there's no interpreter, then the one with the gift of tongues has that self-control not to speak out loud. We can control that. So this is what God would have for the use of the gift of speaking in tongues in a public meeting. Only two or three utterances with the tongues. The tongue is spoken in turn. 
there must be an interpretation that follows the utterance of tongues. And if there's no interpretation, then there should be no more utterance of tongues. Many times when I go to the pastor's conference at Calvary Chapel, pastors, and we get together, and, and, and it's been even like in a big, big um, venue where, I don't know, maybe there's like 500 pastors, and we'll have, after the study, this time of worship, and come in before the Lord, and many times there's prayer going on, and then the gifts of the Spirit are manifested, some word of wisdom, or uh, a word of knowledge, some prophecy that comes forth, and then even tongues. I remember one time there was this utterance of tongues and it was made and there was silence for a while. And then the facilitating pastor was off of the mic, went up back to the podium and on the mic said, okay, you guys, we know what the Bible says. There must be an interpretation following the tongues. So God is giving someone that word or else no more tongues, please. So he stepped back from the podium, and in a short moment, someone spoke the interpretation. And I love that. I love that when that goes on, especially when there's like that little pause and there's no interpretation. You know why? Because for me, if God gave these instructions in 1 Corinthians 14, then you know what? He's going to stick to it, right? There's going to be interpretation, or else then maybe someone had it but was too ashamed to say it then that's okay then we're going to go on yeah in english think about that god gave these instructions if he gave these instructions to the apostle paul then isn't he going to follow it too yeah so in faith as i mentioned you step out and you speak in in tongue and the holy spirit is prompting you then you know what someone's going to have the interpretation and if god is giving you the interpretation then you should speak it because that's the way the lord works in these meetings Next, Paul goes on with the gift of prophecy. Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. So first of all, just like tongues, number one rule is let two or three uh, speak prophecies, you know, prophesy in that way. Two up to three should be given. And in those meetings, Paul says, let the others judge. In other words, he just puts a note that, hey, you know what, don't believe everything you hear. Make sure correct make sure it's true it's true in a sense it lines up with the word of god don't assume everything spoken in a prophetic word is from the lord even if they say thus says the lord in you in old king james right if it says in old king james then it really is the lord no just joking no right but hey just be aware first john 4 1 says beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits whether they are of god Verse 30, but if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. In other words, if, if, if a prophecy is given and someone gives it, you know, don't keep going on and on and on, adding and all that. You know, stop where God has given you and let the first keep silent and let someone else go if there's another prophetic word. Then verse 31, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So look at this. Just like speaking in tongues, let the prophetic word be given in turn one by one. Not all at once. Not all this confusion going on. Be respectful to one another. Don't step on someone else. Don't, don't talk over someone else. Remember, we're here to build up so we can learn and everyone may be 
encouraged. Verse 32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. I like that. It means prophets are still in control of what their spirit may want them to say. Just like with tongues, we're not going to be overwhelmed. Oh, the Holy Spirit overwhelmed me. I couldn't hold it back. It just came out and blurted out. I'm sorry, I, I talked over your prophecy, but mine's more important. No, you, you, you know, that's what it makes it feel like. No, you know what? Prophets can wait their turn too. That's what Paul is saying. And verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Oh, we know this verse, right? We quote this verse. Yeah, the Bible says God is, the, uh, is not the author of confusion, but peace. But look at this. God, oh, look where Paul is saying this in context of chapter 14. He's talking about speaking in tongues, speaking uh, prophetically, the gift of prophecy. I mean, it can apply to our lives in many ways. Certainly, God is not the author or the source of confusion, but he is peace, right? But here, Paul is bringing the application of that truth here right into the chaotic, confusing, crazy Corinthian service. God is a God of peace, not the stressful, competitive time in Corinth. Paul says this is how God moves. This is what God does. Just like he does, and he says in verse 33, as in all the churches all around. So Corinthian guys, there's something off here because you've been just going crazy in confusion. You know what? Paul says that's not from God. God is not the author of this confusion that's going on. No, that's not him. God is peace. Bruce Barton said, to contradict God's own character and worship does not honor him. I love that. Well, then Paul goes on, look at verse 34. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Now, these two verses are inserted here, but understand he's flowing now with this issue of worship and tongues and using your gifts in the service. Now, we covered much of the women's role under being submitted to the leadership and church and men and all that back in 1 Corinthians 11. If you grab the CD, you know, have God has God is set men to be leaders in the church, women and submissive under men. So Paul's bringing up this idea of what he already talked about in this context of what's going on in this crazy worship service. So when Paul writes that women are to keep silent or they're not permitted to speak, you know, or, or just be more quiet, it doesn't mean women can't prophesy. It doesn't mean they can't uh, 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 speak in tongues in the medium church. That's not what Paul is saying. In context of these verses, Paul is saying, hey, in the proper way of prophecy, you know, Paul is asking women who are disrupting the service by blurting out questions. It seems like in the middle of a, this prayer meeting, worship meeting, you know, some someone speaks or, or they prophesy and all that. And it seems like some of the Corinthian women are like basically speaking, basically going, what? What is that? What? Is that true? Like out loud. The word speak here actually in the original language means question. 
criticize, argue. It means to chatter. Yeah. So here's this prophetic word that goes out, and then all of a sudden some of these women are like, what? What's that? What is that? I don't think so, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, he, he messed that up. Yeah, he always does that. Who's he to say something like that? Yeah. You know, right in the middle, someone speaking. Whoosh, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of thing. So that's kind of the idea of what Paul is trying to address. So imagine how, imagine how quenching that is. Imagine how the spirit is moving, a prophecy comes out, and some of the women are just being super loud and vocal. Paul said, hey, you just stay quiet. Be submissive to your leadership, to your husband. Remember we talked about that a while back? You know, matter of fact, this is for everybody, not just uh, women, but even for guys too. You know, don't just keep, rah, rah. you know, I, I was thinking, oh, last night, I think I was doing that when we were watching the movie. I thought, that's not right. That's not true. In the middle of the movie, I thought, oh, I think I was ruining the moment there, you know. Paul's saying, you know what, if you, if you have a question about it, if you didn't think, wow, what they were saying was really true, wait till you get home, talk to your husband about it, you know, have a conversation there, and, and we'll go over there. But to do it now is very shameful. It's shameful. All right, well, Paul wraps up with addressing anyone who might even oppose him. Look at verse 36. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you only that it reached? I mean, going on a long line with these women, like in, in verse, in, in the previous verse, like, well, you know, Paul said we should judge what was prophesied. I'm going to speak up. No, no, Paul's, Paul's like, hey, and going along with you guys or anybody, did the word of God really originate from you? Do you really know? Was it to you that it came first from you? In other words, Paul's like, hey, He's speaking to everyone here now. If you don't like what I'm saying here as an apostle of Christ, is it you that the word of God has come from? Did God only reach you, only give it to you? Verse 37, if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Paul's saying, hey, if you claim to have that that gift of prophecy or you hear from the Lord, yeah, the Spirit speaks to you. If you claim to be so spiritual, then you know what? You know what I'm writing is really from the Lord. Paul is, is claiming, hey, this is what God has given me in the order of the service concerning tongues, prophecy, and all the gifts. Verse 38 he says, but any, if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. And that sounds kind of funny, but ignorant, probably a better word is, is uh, recognized. The ESV puts it better. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. In other words, if you don't agree to this, then you know, you're recognized as you're not really that spiritual. You're, you don't really hear from the Lord. Verse 39, therefore, brethren, so Paul's summing everything up here now, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. I love that because Paul's not going so far as says, no tongues at all, nothing at all. That shouldn't be done in the church. Tongues are done with it, done with now. It's only for the apostles, only. No, Paul's not saying that. Paul's saying, no, desire. The first thing, prophesy, edification, understanding, right? Have a concern for the, for the believer. Right? I mean, uh, uh, and concern for keeping 
Don't worry about it. No, he's not all on prophesying because he says, do not forbid to speak with tongues. Tongues is real. Tongues is a gift of God. And there's times when the Holy Spirit in a meeting will prompt someone to speak in a tongue or something. But there'll be an interpretation. And with that, Paul ends this whole section on worship in chapter 14 with verse 40. He says, let all things be done decently and in order. Decently, another way uh, some translations look is properly. The word actually means grace, gracefully or becomingly or harmoniously. Or I like another word, uh, definition is beautifully. I love that. You, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see God move in a service in a meeting like that where the gifts are being exercised and flowing. It's beautiful. It's incredible. Paul says, let all things be done in that decently beautiful way, not confusing, and in order. And it's here we get that idea that, hey, God is a God of order. And that's in the worship service. That's in our use of tongues, of prophecy, of the gifts of the Spirit. So Paul's like, let all things, even in a worship service, be done properly in the way God wants. So our last point for this morning is this. In church meetings, have a concern for keeping the order. For God is a God of order and not the author of confusion. In church meetings, have a concern for keeping the order, for God is a God of order and not the author of confusion. You know, the time I went to a circus, I, I think, you ever been to a circus? I, I think I've only been once, maybe one more time in my life. I remember going to a circus one time, and, and, and I, I, I never knew, like, this was a three-ring circus, yeah? So they had a ring here, a big ring here, a big ring here. And I didn't know that at the same time, at least this circus, a whole bunch of things were going on. Someone was on the trapeze here. There's a clown over here. There's an elephant doing tricks here. There's someone riding some, some bicycle thing and doing a clown. There was over here someone with a horse, you know. And the horse was doing all different things. And a guy, you know, got shot out of a cannon. And all this stuff was going on. And someone was jumping up and down here. And someone was, you know, trapezing. And, you know, all this stuff going on in here. But it was a three-ring circus. And each ring had, like, several things going on in each ring. I'll tell you, I had a hard time. I didn't know where to put my attention. You know, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, did you see that? that? Oh, oh, no, I was looking over here. What, what, uh, you know, I was, I was like schizophrenic or whatever you call it. Yeah? I was going crazy. It was very chaotic, very confusing, very frustrating. Now picture that. That's the feeling. That's the idea that was in the Corinthian church. Their worship, their prayer time was this three-ring circus. Paul says, hey, finally in your worship, in your church meetings, in a prayer meeting, have a concern for keeping the order. For God is a God of order, not the author of confusion. But we got to remember, guys, sometimes, you know, some of us black and white people, some of us OCD people, yeah, got to be order. We cannot go too far, too, yeah? We need to have that flexibility in what the Holy Spirit would like. One commentator said, when there's chaos, the church is not allowing God to work 
among believers as he would like. Peaceful order should not, however, rule out God's creativity, joy, and unpredictability. I love that. Yeah. There's a balance here, you guys. There's a balance that Paul is bringing us into. And you know what? How about your life? Is there a balance in your life? Perhaps your life is a little bit out of control. You like to what, what, what you like to. And, and, and it's too much feelings and emotions and, and pulled this way. And you, and you say, yeah, let's do this one. And, and, and it's a little bit too much that way. Perhaps you're too black and white, too rigid. Yeah. No, got to be like this, like this, like this. And, and, and you're on that border. If not, you already crossed into legalism here. And you judge those that are too flowy, freely. Yeah. And then you're flowy, freely in the spirit, but you're looking at those guys, oh, legalist. Yeah. Legalist. Yeah. Perhaps we need to bring that balance. Yeah. That Paul's asking us to. To understand, hey, God, he, 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 he's, he's a God of order, not the author of confusion. But at the same time, Paul says, I do not forbid tongues. I do not forbid that. Maybe some of you, it, it's, it's hard because you've never experienced that side of speaking in tongues. But I'm telling you, be open to what maybe what the gift, the, your gift is. Maybe it is prophecy. Maybe it's a word of knowledge. Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe your background, you know, where you grew up as a believer in church is, is more conservative, so to speak. Yeah. And maybe you're not used to that. Well, I tell you, be open to what the Spirit may want to do in your life. Maybe your background is more charismatic. And maybe you're, oh, wow, you're, you're going, whoa, what are they talking about here? What? What? And, and maybe that's like hitting you, like, oh, almost offending you. But I'm saying, look at what it says. Bring a balance in all of this. Because God wants to work powerfully in our lives. And we should not be children anymore in all of this. We should be going in, into what God would want us to do. Maybe your background more and you grew up is that charismatic side and you grew up and now you're in church here, you love the Word. Well, look at the Word now. Be careful that experience doesn't trump truth. Yeah? Because truth is where God wants us to be and how we live our lives. And we don't want to take the truth too far and get, get too legalistic you know what, this is it. And be closed off to the moving and the work of the Spirit in the believer's life. Let's not chase after experience. Let's not be so rigid here. But let's find that balance. So Paul saying, hey, keep the order. God is God of order confusion. But hey, earnestly desire to prophesy, but forbid not to speak in tongues. And I'll tell you, that's where we find this that's where we find in this order God moving in incredible ways, miracles happening before us. That's where the beauty of the Lord comes out. That's where, where it's not confusing, disorder, stressfulness. But we see Jesus in the life of a believer in, a li in our lives. God is a God of order, not confusion. I'll close with this true story. <coughs> For nearly a year, Laddie 
Marshak, who was the editor of the pictures in the TV guide, has had a running correspondence with the gas company. One month, she would get a note informing her she had underpaid her bill. The next month, that she had overpaid her bill. Now, this back and forth went on for one year. Finally, the whole thing was cleared up. Marshak received a card containing, and on the front, a number of standard reasons for irregularities in accounts, such as signature incomplete, payment not this company, but none of those actually applied to her. On the back of the card was a nice, friendly, handwritten note that said, you have been paying the date, please pay the amount. Crazy. Well, her confusion was cleared up by this instruction. And I'll tell you, we can get mixed up too in all of this, but the Word of God clears up any confusion about worship, tongue, gifts of the Spirit, right here. I know we all come from different backgrounds. If you have any questions, if you have any concerns, you know, come, talk to me. Come, come, let, let, let's just see what, you know. We, but the thing is, we want to do our best, right? For edification, for comprehension, right? For concern for the unbeliever, for, for, for keeping the order to honor the Lord. Let's do our best in that way. You know what? So that we can stay in unity as the body of Christ. And as in that unity, God can do incredible, mighty things through us. Through prophecy, tongues, and the worship service. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you that your word brings clarity, not confusion. Your word, God, that you speak to us, Lord, not just even in this issue of tongues and prophecy and gifts of the Spirit, but in our lives, Lord, on how we are to live, what it means to be a Christian, who you are, how you love us, how your grace is there for us every day, how, Jesus, you died on the cross for our sins that we can be forgiven. And, Lord, I pray for anyone here who's carrying that burden, Lord, of guilt and condemnation, that they would see the truth in your word that you love them and you died on the cross for them, Lord. That you would release them, God, and free them from their sins and give them a new life right now. Lord, thank you for that truth that has brought us, all of us, to your feet. All of us, God, to salvation. All of us to this place as Christians walking with you is because of the truth in your word and the clarity that is there. And Lord, let us honor that in how we live. Let us glorify you in living our lives in the manner that you want us to. Lord, many times what you show us in your word, we don't want to be submissive to. We don't want to be submissive to. And God, that is what you're calling us to be and to do, even in these areas of tongues and prophecy and worship and, and all these things, Lord. You're calling us to obedience. But Lord, there as we submit to you, we find you, God. In our obedience, we find you. In our obedience, we find change and transformation. And as we make that choice, 
to submit to you. Even our emotions, our feelings, even even all oh, the spirit moving in us, we get excited and sometimes we want to do or say things where God, you're saying, wait, 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 wait. Lord, help us to have self-control and be obedient to how you would want us to use these gifts. So, Lord, as in everything in our life, we lay it before you. Our gifts, Lord, our ministry, our serving God, we lay it before your feet in submission to you. God, lead us and guide us in your will, not mine. Lead us and guide us in, in, in what you want us to do, not what I want to do. Lead us and guide us into your plan and your purpose with these gifts, not what I feel like it is. Lord, do not, Lord, let us give into our emotions, but let us give over our will in obedience to your word today. Thank you, God. Here we are. What more can we do, Lord? But you are our Lord God and our King. In Jesus' name, amen.